guest. It is our commander-in-chief, the opinion editor of Newsweek, and an author, Nicholas Wapshot, joining us. Ah, do you think I was having the president on? Nicholas is even better. Even better. His newest book is titled The Sphinx, Franklin Roosevelt, The Isolationist, and the Road to World War II. His book is available at www.norton.com forward slash books and also at amazon.com. Nicholas, happy new year, my friend. Good afternoon and uh, welcome. Uh, But uh, that is definitely the music that will be playing as President Obama walks down the aisle for his final State of the Union address that will be given tonight. Yes, Leslie. First of all, Happy New Year, and to all of our listeners, too. The, um, it's, a, it's historic because it's the last one. I mean, this is the Frank Sinatra good, you know, farewell concert. This is the last time that he can actually address the whole nation in a, and, the, and Congress, I suppose, though he reaches over the heads of Congress, which is important to talk to the whole nation. Uh, and it's, uh, it's significant. He he's really needs to lay down his legacy here, doesn't he? He needs to make it absolutely clear what he thinks he's achieved and try to persuade Americans that that's what he's done. And actually, it's a much more interesting and much more positive record than many people uh, would like to believe. Don't you think Uh it, yes, and uh, some people would say it's all about me. Uh, you know, when he's president, uh, you know, this is uh, a lame duck State of the Union speech. People say because it's the lame duck section. Uh, Madison Avenue executives might say it's a time to remarket or reinvent oneself. But because he's not running again, we can talk about what the president most likely will do, uh, probably plans on doing, as he's alluded to, and what he should do. But speaking of what he believes his accomplishments are. And we do have facts. When he first took office, the unemployment rate uh, is now significantly lower. It was 7.8%. It now hovers around 5 uh, The total uh, jobs is $9.2 million higher than when he took office, and 15.3 million fewer people lack health insurance. Um, is that enough for a legacy and enough to tout, um, or only yes to those who uh, love him and no for those who hate him? Well, I think it's easy to forget that when he became the president uh, in the middle of January seven years ago, uh, we were just about in the worst financial straits that we've been at any time since sort of 1929, 30, 31, which is, I mean, I don't think anyone imagined that we would ever go back to the days of the Great Depression. And thanks to Obama, we didn't go there, even though the economy was completely frozen up, locked up. And it's easy to forget, isn't it, that uh, he has uh, caused a recovery to take place. It's true that he followed the instructions left behind by the previous incumbent. George W. Bush uh, became a Keynesian, if you know what that means, a, a, a means of the, the government actually directing the economy to make it healthier uh, when it's in dire straits. He took George W. Bush's plan, mostly intact, and with the much derided stimulus, he kicked the economy back into life, and he ensured that there weren't any more runs on the bank. And slowly but surely, it took quite a while, but slowly but surely, he's made more jobs in his period than George W. Bush did when he was in a recovery in the days before the horrors of 2008-2009. So, I mean, it is one of those things that had everything gone belly up and the whole uh, economy ground to a halt, millions were thrown out of work, then he would never be forgiven. But the fact that he mended it, uh, it's very difficult to credit someone when actually nothing appears to have happened. He ensured that there wasn't a disaster. But just because we didn't drive off the cliff, uh, it's it's like proving a negative. It's very difficult to say, goodness me, you know, you imagine what would happen if somebody else had been the president or if I hadn't taken the essential... uh, 
economic measures to ensure that the economy went back on track. Of course, he's been chased over Hill and Dale, but the very first thing he did coming in was uh, to ensure that we were at least on the road to recovery, and it took a little while. But here we are. It's a, it's a limp recovery, but the whole, the whole world is in recession apart from us, you know. China is going down the pan slowly. Uh, the Europeans, we don't have to tell you, are in a terrible mess economically. They, they've got divisions between the North, which is relatively prosperous, and the South, which is on its uppers and bankrupt. Uh, those, those are three big economies in the world, and uh, for goodness sake, if America bucked the trend and did pretty well, then it's a sure sign that he did something absolutely right. But as I say, very difficult to take credit for that, because uh, his opponents, particularly in Congress, have tried their mightiest to, first of all, prevent him imposing the stimulus, and then ensuring that he couldn't um, uh, uh, spend as much money as he should have done. People like Paul Krugman would say that you should have spent twice as much money as we did. It was called a trillion-dollar uh, uh, trillion uh, stimulus. In fact, it was about $800 million, but actually $2 trillion would have been a much a surefire bet. He had uh, both houses of Congress, don't forget, for his first two years, and that's a lot of political capital. He came in with an enormous amount of optimism, but he's had to spend a hell of a lot of it mopping up after uh, what his predecessor presided over, which was the total collapse of the economy, uh, which would have dragged the whole world down. He is the president of the free world, and so actually everybody around the world should be grateful for Obama that he did the right thing. Uh, quickly, before the break, we all know what happened in 2009 by Representative Joe Wilson, who screamed out that the president was a liar. We have seen a lot of disrespect toward this president, many people believe, because of the color of his skin. In his final State of the Union address, do you think that we will see or hear something uh, in the way of disrespect since this is his last and final speech? I think they've learned their lesson, actually, that uh, you cannot disrespect the President of the United States in such a flagrantly rude way without, without actually causing your party, in this case the Republican Party, enormous political cost. Uh, that fellow who shouted out showed himself to be a total jerk, and that didn't do the Republicans any good, and it didn't do him any good either. I'd be really surprised if they were disrespectful, and if they do, then more fool them, because uh, as we're coming into highly political season, we've got three weeks to go before Iowa, uh, do you think that anybody in the, in the middle, uh, the independents, the moderate Republicans, want to hear somebody shout out to the president or, or cause a fuss in Congress. It's to, it, it is to uh, disrespect the office, not, uh, not only the president himself, who, by the way, is a decent man. Can anyone doubt that actually Obama has tried his best and has been trying to do the right things? Uh, you might disagree. Yeah, yeah. Whether people like him or not, the, yeah, he, I agree. The Nicholas, he, this guy doesn't reek of, you know, evil or sinister. Um, uh, quite frankly, neither did George W. Bush, but I think many people would agree, you know, or feel that Dick Cheney did. Uh, Nicholas Wapshot, opinion editor of Newsweek and an author. His latest book is The Sphinx, Franklin Roosevelt, The Isolationist and the Road to World War II. Get it at Amazon.com back after this. Back with a good friend of the show, someone who I trust to sit in for me here, and opinion editor of Newsweek magazine, also author of the book, his latest, uh, The Sphinx, Franklin Roosevelt, The Isolationist, and the Role to World War II. Get it at www.norton.com forward slash books or amazon.com. He's not just a pretty face with a lovely accent. He's smart, and he's a good friend of ours in the show. Nicholas Wapshot is with us. Nicholas, thank you for holding. Welcome back, buddy. Um, we are talking about the president's uh, final State of the Union address. Now, 
listing his accomplishments, yay. But his seat is up. He certainly would want his party to keep it, whether it's Hillary, Bernie. I don't think anybody thinks it's going to be O'Malley. Um, what does he need to do, and, and what have historically presidents done to lay the groundwork? Because what I heard is he's going to you know, say, hey, look, this is all I've done, but you guys need to go after Congress because they've pretty much failed you, the American people. So what does he do to kind of help out his party in, you know, in parting in his final State of the Union address, if he can at all? Well, I, I guess, and it's not entirely within his gift, is it? Because as the leader of the uh, Democratic Party, he cannot really be partisan. He can't pick one person over another. Uh, that would be, well, it would not, not be the right thing to do, I think. He's got to allow the party to pick their own uh, champion. Uh, I would guess the odds are on for it being Hillary, but he can't go out of his way to do that. But what he, he does have to do, I think, is that to ensure, above all, because he has suffered from it so much, particularly in the last five years, he has to ensure that whoever the nominee is, that the party gets back together and that everybody who supports the Democrats goes out and votes on the day. Don't take anything for granted. Every last person, whether they were supporters of O'Malley or Bernie, uh, if Hillary turns out to be the candidate, go and do the business. Because Hillary... Uh, should not have to put up with, and he will know it more than any, anything else, the, uh, a White House who has no power except a veto over what crazy people are doing in Congress. And so at least the Senate needs to get back, and so does the House. That's not an easy thing to, uh, to try to encourage. But what he must do, I think, is to try to recapture that sort of sense of hope, that sense of optimism, to say, look, you know, I've done the heavy digging. We were in a deep hole seven years ago. And uh, I, notwithstanding the fact that I've had enormous hostility, the fact is that I have laid the ground for the next great phase of uh, uh, democratic aspirations coming to fruition. And so uh, rally behind whoever the next one is and get as many people in Congress, the Senate and the House, as possible. And the figures are actually not too terrible. The Senate could easily go back to the Democrats. House is much more difficult. But if he could recapture that, do you remember those amazing, uh, high-lifting, soaring uh, rhetoric that he had in the days before he was president? Uh, he could fill a, a football stadium with people jumping up and down with the, with the sense of what was possible. And it's that notion of what's possible in a good world uh, that he needs to express. So there is really only one way of bringing that about. You either go for uh, whoever the Democratic t candidate turns out to be, in which case life will be much, much better for people who deserve it, and important things like income inequality will be tackled, and uh, maybe things like Obamacare, which is horribly expensive, although it's a great achievement. It's still horribly expensive, particularly if you're buying insurance on the cheap. You get, uh, you get hit with all sorts of uh, supplemental prices and so on. There is room for improvement there. There are all sorts of things that can be done. But uh, he needs to hint, too, and this is a uh, state of the union, cannot be heavily pol politically partisan, but he ought to hint that uh, the sensation of looking at, across the aisle at the sort of ragtag army of uh, misfits, losers, jokers, and jerks that uh, the, the Republicans are putting up, not one of them is presidential. Not, not one of them could fill his shoes. And, uh, I, I guess you can hint at that, uh, but he, he's got, you know, two, three, four speechwriters who are trying to find exactly the right words for him. Uh, and he's no mean uh, writer himself, you know. I mean, he, he wrote a best-selling book before he was the president. He's got a, a very natural way and, a, and also a rather endearing way, if he can only show it. He, he tends to 
in, in recent uh, years, he's tended to sort of get in the bunker of the White House, which is what people tend to do, particularly in their second term. But now he, it strikes me he's in a different phase. You described him, uh, or you described the, the State of Union as the, the classic lame duck State of the Union speech. Well, it strikes me that in the last six months that he's worked out that actually through executive action, hang Congress. There are all sorts of things he can do, and he's going to do them. Things like uh, opening up the world to Cuba. Things like uh, agreeing uh, the, uh, the, the environmental conference uh, uh, agreements that were made in Paris and so on. There are all sorts of things that the chief executive, the president, can do uh, without needing to run to Congress to get it rubber-stamped. And I think that what we're going to see, and, and the, the, his sort of Christmas message was that, wasn't it? Everything is there to play for. Everything, I'm going to leave everything on the table. I think he's going to... He's going to push it and push it and push it. And I think we might get a hint that actually uh, just because he's only got a year to go doesn't mean that he's not going to do things, uh, substantial things, and actually try to make life better for more Americans. Um, I want to uh, tell you something that I'm sure you're familiar with. Nancy Pelosi, the minority leader in the House, uh, once said, quote, the only part of Obama's legacy that I would change is if I were he, I would have heralded it in a stronger way so that the American people have better understanding of all that this president has done. And she was speaking about his legacy and his accomplishments, which you and I touched upon and feel the president will and should touch upon. Uh, do you think that as he lists everything that's done, like you said, Nicholas, maybe the American people aren't truly aware of it. Does he need to spend more time and explain why th- this is something, why these are improvements and not just uh, cite numbers, which I think a lot of people yawn and roll their eyes over? Yeah, well, exactly. I mean, that's the problem, isn't it? I mean, one of the great things about the American people, you know, is that they don't use their rearview mirror very much. It means that they don't know very much about history, which means they, they can end up making the same mistakes that people did in the past. As, uh, as you keep reminding, happily, you're reminding people, uh, there was a time up until 1940, 1941, when this was a largely isolationist country which would have nothing much to do with the rest of the world, apart from trade with it, but it wouldn't interfere. Uh, there's, a, there's, there's a sense that uh, all sorts of things like the end of isolationism, it's coming back. Uh, Cruz, Trump, you can see it. And nativism is, is abroad. And uh, rather than go back on all of those sorts of things and remind people, it, it's true. I mean, it all sounds as if he's bragging, too. I wouldn't spend uh, very much time on that. Put it in the early part of the speech and spend the second half of the speech painting a, a, a utopia, which is just around the corner, if only uh, his party is given the chance to finish the job that he started. I think that uh, he can express, you know, it's been tough. It hasn't been easy to, to uh, the last seven years. Big problems have had to be sorted out. And without the help of a unified country, because his opponents have uh, spent an enormous amount of money besmirching uh, everything, including him, above all him. They've, they've tried to destroy his character. A lot of it is dog-whistle racism. They do it in the most sly way, but we, we know what they're up to. Uh, and they, they also, uh, as a, Obamacare, what, what the Koch brothers, work out how many millions, uh, hundreds of millions, the Koch brothers have spent in order to ensure that people had a bad opinion of Obamacare. Whereas in every other country in the world that has universal health care, it is so popular that it can never be undone. Places like Canada and Britain uh, have wonderful systems that work amazingly well. You'll never hear a good word said about them here, but uh, the the fact is that Obama achieved what no Republican president has managed to achieve. People like Richard Nixon say they bring about universal health care. Pooey, he did nothing about it at all. Uh, Eisenhower said, every president since Truman has promised universal health care, and they've done nothing. He managed to to fix it and get it done. It's not perfect, but it's, uh, uh, as as I say, you say, I built the foundations of a great new tomorrow, and uh, what we need 
need now is another eight years to finish the term, uh, you know, finish the job, I think is, the, is really the message he has to get across. It isn't since June of 2013 that the president's approval rating hit 50 percent, at least according to the daily Gallup poll at that time. He has a task, obviously, tonight uh, to sell his accomplishments, to sell his tenure, in a sense, to the American people. But right now we still have a majority that don't approve of, of him in doing so. So will that mean less viewership? And is that a harder task for the president, uh, being that his approval ratings aren't as high as they've been in the past? Yeah, well, it's not easy. It's true. Uh, I must say that, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm like you, I'm, I'm sort of obsessionally interested in politics, and I watch every twist and turn uh, of every debate that's available. I, I watch uh, very closely. But the um, uh, in, in this case, I think that, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it is ludicrous when the State of the Union won't get an audience as large as uh, the Republican debate on Thursday, for instance. Uh, and it's because there won't be any fireworks. There won't be any, um, you know, uh, personal assaults. There won't be any of the, uh, the sort of uh, wrestling match, boxing match that, we, that, we, that we're going to get on Thursday. Enormously good fun. But at the same time, it is hugely influential nonetheless. A lot of people will watch it. It is being broadcast widely. Uh, and what's more, there will be accounts of it. It, and it's not the only thing that's going to change him, by the, uh, change his reputation, by the way. I mean, he's still got a lot of time. He, he's going to be on Air Force One flying around, uh, making sure that people have a good opinion of him. And it's, I must say, it's very difficult if you see him in the flesh uh, or hear him in, uh, uh, live uh, to think anything except that he's a decent, good man who's tried his best. And I think that... Uh, so State of the Union is the beginning, not of a comeback, it's the beginning of a, a refreshing of the image, I think. And, and with that refreshing of the image, um, is this the time that Americans look to him? I mean, even though Hillary has, especially in the past couple of days, uh, broken with him with regard to immigration and those raids, and certainly we have seen Bernie Sanders break with the president and Hillary break with the president in the past, but I think a lot of people out there, and we certainly don't know the minds of those independent centrist undecideds, um, but they do look as Democrats being, you know, one ilk, one ideology, one group under one umbrella, and the same for conservatives, Republicans on the right. So in other words, is it difficult for the, the president, even though, you know, I talked about this a little bit earlier, but in, in a different way now, is it difficult for the president not having – such an approval rating, to have Americans who may not love him or who are undecided thinking, hey, I'll give a Democrat four more years this coming November in the next election. Well, you know, he isn't really the, the key to how they achieve it. That, that's uh, popularity. I mean, I don't imagine he's going to, although he will do a lot of uh, classic campaigning on behalf of the cause between now and the end of his tenure, he won't take an active part in uh, trying to elect uh, the Democratic candidate, I don't suppose, just because he's a sort of mixed blessing. Uh, Bill Clinton's a different thing. Uh, Bill Clinton is the person who, notwithstanding Monica Lewinsky and all of that, he, he left office with 66% approval rating, which is uh, extraordinary, considering the mud thrown at him, uh, particularly in the last couple of years of his time as president. Uh, Obama doesn't have that. You know, I think that, I mean, as you do, I, write, I write histories, which, uh, which has, of course, the great, great benefit of 2020 hindsight. I think that as time progresses, pe progresses people will look back at Obama and uh, think, actually, he didn't do half badly. 
the uh, they not even, there were things that were wrong. They're going to be every executive is going to make some wrong decisions. But there are other things which I think he should stress because it completely chimes with what the American people think, and that is I have drawn down the, uh, the two wars that I inherited. I've drawn down the number of troops in Afghanistan. It's still a horrible mess, but we are losing fewer people, and there is a sort of way for it. And, and the same Iraq. What a horrible, terrible mess. Uh, but at the same time, there are no American, or very few American boots on the ground there right now. There's not the full-scale uh, 100,000 troops uh, which George Bush left there. And, and that's what Americans want. They want Americans to, uh, American troops to come home. And he has achieved that, and he hasn't blown his own trumpet about it. But because he knows that that's what Americans want to happen, and it's, uh, there are a lot of uh, candidates, particularly in the Republican Party, who are peddling that sort of line that we should get out of these foreign countries and let them uh, stew in their own juice, uh, I think that Obama can make a strong case to say, I didn't withdraw from the world. But at the same time, I, I heard what you were saying, and I tried to minimize our involvement, particularly when our involvement only exacerbated the situation. You could make a, a very good case for saying that he did that. And, and it's also true to him. He got elected because of his opposition to the Iraq war, which at the time was contentious, if you remember. People were divided 50-50. It's hard to find anyone now who doesn't, when you say the words Iraq war, instantly say, what a stupid, unnecessary war. So he was absolutely on the right side of history when he made the decision as a senator to vote against it, and he hasn't crowed about it yet. So maybe tonight's the night to try to do that. Many Americans, uh, despite the, the fact the deficit was uh, reduced by 70%, the stock market more than doubled to 16000 from less than seven. Uh, even though in the past few weeks the Chinese uh, instability have definitely made the market take a beating. Uh, the American auto industry was saved, 70 straight months of job growth. But the perception versus the reality is most Americans are convinced in a sense that the economy is still in the tank. So when we look at the last state of the union of George W. Bush, he made the case for the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan as, quote, often measured by the things that did not happen, such as at the time further terrorist attacks on U.S. soil. Do you think to some degree the president must prove uh, similarly um, a, a negative himself, that the stimulus worked because the downturn could have been much worse? In other words, hey, I did a great job and it could have, it could have been worse. And this is why it's even greater than the great that I did. Yeah, it's true. And if you if you listen to somebody like Ben Bernanke, who is a history of economic uh, history, uh, he he will say that actually what happened in 2008-9 was worse than the 29 crash and the Great Depression that followed. So actually the achievement was even more substantial. But as you say, it's very difficult to prove negative, isn't it? And he can also say, uh, sure, there have been the odd uh, acts of domestic terror here, but actually there's, there's yet to be someone who's actually connected to ISIS working directly under ISIS orders. At least I can't remember a case when that's happened. This San Bernardino attacks, disgusting and horrible. But, but these are probably just plain crazy people rather than ISIS-inspired plots sent specifically. I, I, you know, I'm glad you said, Nicholas, I'm glad you said that because honestly, to me, you know, any, any woman who just had a baby and six months later is pledging her allegiance to some stranger online who doesn't know she exists, doesn't know her from Eve, really doesn't care about her, you know, or her life, has to have some level of cuckoo uh, there involved and also to, you know, take your own life on top of it. You know, somewhat newly married, you know, take them out with you. Just it, 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 it's it's beyond that. I do agree to be able to be radicalized. There must be not necessarily 
mental illness, but at least some temporary level of insanity. Nicholas, Happy New Year, buddy. Always good to have you. We'll have you back soon, of course. Nicholas Wapshot, opinion editor of Newsmeek magazine. His newest book is titled The Sphinx, Franklin Roosevelt, The Isolationist, and The Road to World War II. Uh, go to Newsweek.com to check out everything Nicholas has written on Twitter. You can follow him at nwapshot, N-W-A-P-S-H-O-T-T. And that book, The Sphinx, Franklin Roosevelt, The Isolationist, and The Road to World War II, you can get it at Amazon.com or at wwnorton.com forward slash books. Tonight will be President Obama's final State of the Union address as president. We who are on the left and are Democrats hope he won't be the last Democrat for the next four or certainly eight years in that office giving that speech. But the president has, some people say, a big task ahead of him. Even though he's not running for election, he certainly would hope, I would imagine, that a Democrat, whether it be Hillary, Bernie, or Martin get in as president. And I think most of us know it will be Hillary or Bernie, and I wish and hope that it will be Hillary. But President Obama certainly would not want his seat to fall into another party's hands. It would reflect poorly on him and his presidency and wouldn't really be nice uh, whipped cream and cherry on top, frosting or silver lining on that legacy, and a legacy he certainly does have. But what President Obama has to do tonight is he has to, despite lower approval ratings than he's had for years, and at his height, 50%. Lower approval ratings, people, even though the economy is much better than when he came into office, he needs to explain to the American people really what was accomplished during his presidency. How things really are better. Over 15 million people have health insurance now that didn't. How more jobs, nearly 10 million, were created. Also, how unemployment is more than two percentage points lower than it was when he took office. How we are far away from that recession. But see, the problem is, despite that lower approval rating, it's the economy stupid, and Americans still perceive it being far more in the tank. In other words, Americans perceive things worse than they really are. So a tough task at hand is for the president not only to talk about what he's done, but what it means to you and me. Why it's good. Some would say he should take a page from the playbook of George W. Bush, who's sort of like, well, Afghanistan, Iraq, it could have been a lot worse. And so could the economy have been. But it's far better than Americans feel. Also, the president needs to talk about our security. I mean, that is part of his job as commander-in-chief, and not a lot of Americans are feeling secure. We're seeing more lone wolf attacks, as we've seen uh, just in the past 24 hours in Istanbul against tourists, nine of which were German, one of which was Peruvian. We are seeing more lone wolf attacks. We saw here in the United States what happened in San Bernardino, and I don't feel that he should, nor are these situations that he can ignore. The president needs to talk about what he's done, and our state of this union. But he also, I think, we have heard, is going to point to Congress and all they have not done. Congress hasn't done a damn thing. Oh, certainly Republicans have voted time and time again to repeal and replace, repeal and replace, despite the will of the American people not wanting Obamacare to be repealed or replaced, and over 15 million people who have benefited from that legislation, and a president who would certainly veto any law, as he just did, that would come to his desk. That was a waste of taxpayer time and money. 
We have more investigations into Benghazi and we have no more answers because there is no smoking gun. There is no there, there. There was no cover up, no conspiracy. And there is no connect the dots trail to former Secretary of State now running for President, uh, Madam Secretary Hillary Clinton or President Barack Obama. We've spent more time and spent more money than we did on the 9-11 Commission. And that we found a heck of a lot more answers with. Our country has rebounded even if we don't feel it, and the president must paint a picture of that. Our country is great and stronger, perhaps, because of our diversity, because of our diverse ethnicities, and I think the president should speak to that. He, in a sense, is a part of that. And I think the president needs to not only talk about what's been accomplished, but what what can be And in a sense, to be our cheerleader, because, you know, in a sense, uh, an election year is a time of battle, at least with our votes, isn't it? I think he should use this personally. I think he should use this as a time to encourage people to vote and that their vote does matter. And the power of that vote and the power of one, no matter who they're voting for, no matter which party. There's a lot of distrust of politicians right now. This fragmentation within the Democratic Party as of late about raids under the umbrella of immigration. We've heard what Steny Hoyer has done today on the evening of the State of the Union address and Hillary Clinton breaking from her former boss with this issue. We certainly look over to the right and see huge fragmentation among Republicans. Are you a Trump? Are you a Cruz? Are you a libertarian? Are you a Tea Party person? Are you an old school GOP or are you more of a moderate? Republican Party is more fragmented, I think, than it's ever been in, in, in our nation's history, certainly in my lifetime. So there's a huge distrust of our nation. So what does the president have to do? What will he do? And what do you need to hear him do as he leaves the Oval Office and hopefully leaves it for me to another from his party? When he stands before us, we, the American people, to update us on the state of our union for this final time tonight. He will undoubtedly be upbeat. He will undoubtedly give an assessment of how far the nation has come since his first days of his administration, as he and every president do and and should do. Give us a little checklist of what has taken place. He will paint a picture of a nation on the rebound because we are. He will and he should paint a picture of how our ethnic diversity empowers us and infuses us with possibility. And the president will have to, I believe, especially in an election year where we want his party to continue to hold the reins and sit in his seat when he leaves that office. He will have to counter the Republican narrative. And the narrative of Republicans, the party of no, is also a party of negativity. Because the Republican narrative speaks of a nation in decline under the Democrats, even though the Republicans have the power in the House and the Senate and have done nothing with that power. They speak negatively about Democrats, negatively about this president, and have made it clear for uh, currently a current majority leader in the House of the Senate, Mitch McConnell, even said it it was the Republican agenda to disagree with the president, to take him down. Right? If he said, you know, black, they would say white, no pun intended. The Republican narrative is that this nation is in decline. You constantly see it. Let's make America great again. 
Trump says it. Republicans say it all the time to the point I want to vomit. This is a great nation. We weren't once a great nation. You know what it reminds me of when people say that? Let's make this nation great again. Let's get rid of all the brown people and the black people and put women back in the kitchen to be barefoot and pregnant where they got to be. Let's put the men in charge. Let's put those, let's put the white men in charge. That's what it reminds me of. Let's put our Christian white men in charge who aren't very Christian. No, that ain't going to happen. White majority will rule in the United States until 2054 at the very latest. And that is frightening. And that's perhaps why it's easy for many Republicans who are a sea of white Christian conservative males uh, who, who look across the aisle and shudder when they see the females and when they see the colors and when they see the various sexual orientation. Oh, God, me, oh, my lions and tigers and bears and LGBTers. And they look at that, our diversity. They look at change, look at progress and even liberalism as a nation in decline. And blame the liberals, blame the Democrats for that. Now, the president once ran on a platform of hope and of change. And I think the president needs to speak and bring back that hope, hope of what America can be once again. There was a time, perhaps, we were more tolerant. There certainly was a time we were more united. Quite frankly, there was a time we were more American. And I don't blame President Obama for that. I would blame more so a Donald Trump or the followers of Trump for that, in my opinion. On NBC's Today show today, the president said, quote, part of, part of what I want to do in this last address is to remind people, you know, what well, we've got a lot of good things going for us. And if we can get our politics right, it turns out that we're not as divided as the ideological spectrum as people make us out to be. That's another thing. He can not only speak to areas where we are united, but he can encourage people to be united. And I think, quite frankly, the hope for this nation in the future can unite us. I don't really think left and right are that far off. More people in this country socially lean more left and almost everybody fiscally leans more right. Doesn't that put us in a place of agreement rather than disagreement? I don't think President Obama is going to get Hillary or Bernie or even Donald any votes tonight, and that's not his job. So let me ask you some questions before the president steps up to that platform, before you watch it or tape it or check out sound bites from it tomorrow, maybe even here on this show. With President Obama's final State of the Union tonight, in your opinion, America, whether you like him or not, whether you're a Democrat or not, whether you voted for him or not, what are his biggest accomplishments? What are President Obama's biggest accomplishments? 888-6-LESLIE, 888-653-7543. And what are his biggest failures? Everybody has good and bad. What are the President Obama's biggest accomplishments and what are his biggest failures? In your mind, in your opinion, 888-6-LESLIE, 888-653-7543. Get out the pen. We're going to have a report card, America. How do you grade this president and why? How do you grade this president and why? 888-6-LESLIE, 888-653-7543. Now, remember, even though this is the final State of the Union address, the president does have one more year in office. First, how do you think President Obama will be remembered in history? Truly. 
put your Facebook cartoons aside. How do you think the president will be remembered in history? Honestly, 888-6-LESLIE, 888-653-7543 is the number. And in the future, do you think some people will look differently looking back on things in his presidency than perhaps we look at it now? 888-6-LESLIE, 888-653-7543 is the number. Let's talk facts, although he'll tout some tonight. When President Obama first took office, the unemployment rate was significantly higher, 2.8% higher than it is now. Right now, unemployment hovers around 5%. The number of total jobs is 9.2 million higher than there were when he took office. And there are 15.3 million fewer people who lack health insurance. So why is the perception by the American people that we're still in the tank and that this president hasn't done a good job. Why doesn't he get more credit for doing a good job? Those three things alone usually would make a president a hero, especially if he had an R tattooed on his chest, good and bright red. 888 6Leslie, 888-653-7543. You can fact check those numbers. That's where we got them from. And what do you hope to hear from the president in his final SOTU tonight, in his final State of the Union? What do you hope to hear? 888-6Leslie. 888-653-7543. Two more, we take a break. I want you to compare what the president has worked for and achieved over the past seven years to what the Republican Party did. There's no legislation the Republican Party passed except repeal and re- replace. There's nothing the Republican Party did except extru- obstruct the president. There were new no, new ideas from them, just obstruction of him and his ideas. Example, they wanted to repeal Obamacare, no plan, what to replace it with, how to replace it, even when to replace it, or how to pay for it. How could anyone vote for a Republican when we look at a president and a Democrat who accomplished some things, whether you agree with them or not, versus a do-nothing Congress head by Republicans, led by Republicans. 888-6-LESLIE, 888-653-7543. And one final one, President Obama wants to make a final push to close Guantanamo Bay. He promised that when he ran for president the first time around. He signed an executive order and still has not. This is a goal since the beginning of his presidency. Do you believe he should close it? Do you believe he will close it? And if so, where do we send those Guantanamo Bay detainees? 888-6-LESLIE, 888-653-7543. Quick break back to you and your calls right after this. Call me now, 888-6-LESLIE. President's final State of the Union address tonight. I'm asking you, what were his achievements? What were his failures? What are you hoping that he will say tonight? And uh, looking back at this presidency, how do you think his presidency truly will be viewed in the future? Are there things differently uh, that were done now in present day that will be looked at differently uh, in the future? And compared to when he took office, so many things are better. The unemployment rate, job growth, uh, those who have health insurance, 
Why doesn't he get more credit for this? 888-6LESLIE, 888-653-7543 is the number. Uh, let's go to the calls. 888-6LESLIE is the number. We go to Phoenix, line two with Murray. Murray, good afternoon. Thank you for joining good, good, us. Good afternoon. Uh, I, I don't, but there's one thing I must say. I, I, I know, I just don't understand the Republicans. I'm not a constitutional lawyer. Why are they letting Ted Cruz run? <laughs> we were talking about that last hour. A lot of I know the law. This is Bryce Priebus should stop it. The Republicans should stop it now. McCain and Trump both said something, and I'm glad. Okay, back to the president. I was listening to another channel, a right-wing channel. They said that this president has spent so much money in eight years, way more than George. Uh, George Jr. Bush did. Way more. I can't see it. Where did he spend the money? He has spent no more money than going to two wars on a credit card. Well, here's another thing. If the president spent money, he did so only with the green light and blessing of a Republican House and Senate. I agree. Why do they keep blaming him? And And formerly a Republican House, even when you had a Democratic Senate. They blame Hillary about uh, Libya, about that Town in Libya, I forgot. Why do they keep bringing that up? Why don't they bring up... They bring up Benghazi because an ambassador and other U.N. workers died, and quite frankly, that's the only thing they can even remotely try to tie her with. In 1982, Reagan was president. We lost 240 Marines in Beirut because of him, but they never bring that up. They keep bringing it up. He ended communism. He did this. He did that. I've said it. I think... And under George W., under George W. Bush, 20 Two embassy workers died throughout the world, and most people never were aware of it. We're going to take a break. We'll be back. If our caller has more to say, we'll come back to him. If not, we'll move on. And if you want to join us when we finish with a call, your cue to call through here True Democracy in Talk Radio, 888-6LESLIE is the number back after this. Leslie Marshall, welcome, welcome back. Only True Democracy in Talk Radio of Four and by you, the people. Let's get back to the calls. We're talking about the president's last State of the Union address tonight. What you feel his achievements were uh, and are, what you feel his uh, failures have been, what you want to hear tonight, how people will perceive him, and why he doesn't get more credit for all that has been done. Marian Phoenix, uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, let's go next to Jeremiah on line four. Jeremiah, good afternoon and welcome. How you doing? Good. Glad to be on your show. Number Thank you for joining one, us. President Obama would probably be listed as one of the greats if he was a white Republican president, but he's not. The things he's accomplished, we need not one but two or three radio shows, complete shows, to even describe what he's done for this country. When Bush left office, we were on a free fall from hell. Everybody thought something was seriously wrong, and this country was on its last leg. He continued on going against opposition and was able to accomplish so much and repair most of the damage done to this country by the previous president. 
So, um, as far as I'm concerned, you so can you feel it's the color. Team. You feel it's the color of his skin in his party is the reason he doesn't get the credit due. Yes, of course. And like you said, the Koch brothers and everybody else, they can't stand a black president. They can't stand it. They can't stand it. Um, if you even look at a lot of the arguments they use against him, everything they came at him for is completely ridiculous. And nobody ever went after Bush for all the lies he put and everything else. And the whole world was against what he was doing. We needed Saddam Hussein there. He was a buffer between Iran and everything else going in the Middle East. And uh, we took him out and look at the Middle East now. But they want to blame the Middle East on Obama for pulling the troops out. Do you think, it, do do you think it'll be different in the future when perhaps we've had more presidents that aren't just white and male uh, when they look back at this individual? Um, that's a long way in the future before Obama is recognized. But anytime soon, he will not be recognized. He will not be recognized. All right. Anything they do else? not like it. Anything, Go ahead. anything else, Jeremiah? Yeah. Um, you know, the whole thing about when they went after him for going after freedom of religion, when he was going after putting uh, the women's care into the hospitals that were Christian hospitals, and he was anti-religion, this and this and that, that's crazy. These hospitals that are operating, even if they're Catholic, Christian, Jewish, whatever they are, they want they need to abide by the workers' rules, federal work guidelines. If they don't want to do that, don't be a profitable hospital. Be a private hospital only for charity. Then we can't say anything about what you have to do and the rules you have to abide by. You don't want to abide by federal guidelines, don't be a profitable hospital. That's a business. Do you want to be a business and make money? Well, I agree with you. I I agree with you. You can't be a non-profit religious charity, A, if you have a profit, and B, it always kills me that these Catholic organizations don't want to pay for birth control, but if I work for you and I'm a, a woman, single or married, I'm sexually active, I don't want to have children, and I take my paycheck and go to my doctor and get a script for birth control pills and go to Rite A Walgreens, CVS, Dwayne Reed, and get it filled, I'm still using the money the Catholic Church gave me in my paycheck to buy birth control. So whether they directly, or, the in, directly or indirectly, they're paying for it, uh, whether it's part of health care or not. So I I, I, you know, I think, quite frankly, it's not even a matter of semantics. It's, it's ridiculous. It's a matter of whether the money comes out of the right or the left hand. Well, how about, how about all these other people that don't believe in wars, that, that pay taxes? Are we supposed to stop all wars? Are we supposed to stop our military? We even Quakers who are pacifist and won't fight in the Amish yeah, all pay taxes that do contribute to wars. That's, that a, way. that's a very good point. federal laws, and they have to abide by the laws of the federal land. They don't like it. Vote, elect somebody, that will change it. But don't try to change it in the middle of the game. We have a constitution to abide by. Catholic Church doesn't like it. Don't be in business. We're not going to tell you how to run your church, but we're going to tell you how to run a business. There's yeah, you can't you can't have separation of church and state just just when you feel like it. You know, it, it, you know, it, you. it, it either stands or, or, or it isn't. Th- thank you uh, for the call, uh, Jeremiah. Hector, you were up next on uh, line five, buddy. Sorry if your phone went off. Get, uh, uh, out, give us a call back. Eight 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 six Leslie. Eight 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 six five three seven five four three. Let's go to Dean in Buffalo, New York. Line one, Dean. Good afternoon. Uh, good afternoon. Um, before I begin, your monologues are better than anything on late night. You're a brilliant man, Dean. Uh, I only wish that was true, but thank you. Um, you know, if I was Barack Obama, I would come back tonight and look at things from a historical standpoint. I'd say, okay, you guys think I'm not doing a good job. The unemployment rate is the lowest it's been since uh, 
Bill Clinton left office. The stock market is, has reached the highest that it's ever been. And we are – oh, and by the way, I scraped um, $1 trillion off of the deficit since I've been in office. Okay. So at the end of the day, though, he still has a lower approval rating. And he still is not given credit for those things or it's not perceived by the American people to be enough because the American people feel. I mean, be honest. uh, Be honest. Do you, Dean, feel just put your mind out of politics, who's president, who you voted for? Do you feel today better off than you were seven years ago? Oh, yes. Without a doubt, because seven years ago, um, we were. um, on the road to a second Great Depression. Okay. All right. We were in a recession on our way to uh, a depression. That's the nation. What about you, you personally? I would so vote for this guy for a third term. because that's, No, 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 Dean. That, Dean, listen to me. That's not what I'm asking you. How are things better for you today se- compared to seven years ago? You personally. I have... Um, Healthcare, and you and did not, and you did not, and you did not seven years ago. No, I did not. What does that mean to you and for you that you have health care now and you did not seven years ago? Well, as somebody with um, medical problems, it means that I'm able to go see a doctor and get the same health care as um, a certain billionaire who's running for president. What did you do being somebody who has medical problems when you didn't have health care seven years ago? I worried big time and there really wasn't anything that I could do. Is it is it is it safe to say then therefore because of that health insurance you sleep better at night, you have less stress and maybe even less health problems right now because you have the confidence that you can see a doctor, God forbid something goes wrong with your current medical situation? Oh, yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt. All right. Well, that's one good thing that this administration has done for you. And I say that, the reason I'm pointing out, I'm not picking on you, Dean, is I think that we, many of us, whether it's as a voter, as a taxpayer, as an American, as a voice as an individual, feel often like numbers, and there are real people behind those numbers. Whether we're talking about refugees, or we're talking about people being deported, or we're talking about health care, and we're talking about stripping somebody of health care, or stripping rights, oh, it's only 20 people, 30 people. Those are people. There are people behind that, and, and uh, Dean is an example of that. Dean, thank you for the call. Appreciate it. Uh, you have a good rest of the day. Let's go to Manny in Massachusetts, line two. Manny, good afternoon. Hey, good afternoon, Leslie. Um, there's a laundry list of things that this president has done. Unfortunately, Americans seem to have a very short memory. Uh, they don't seem to understand the shape they were in when Bush left office. I think we were losing somewhere around uh, 200,000 jobs a month uh, around there. Uh, the auto industry was in collapse. Uh, there's there's so many things that this president has done, but he will not get credit for. And I don't really blame it because he's uh, a black guy. I, I blame it on the corporate media. Uh, corporate media doesn't get paid to uh, put out feel-good 
feel-good stories. They get paid to put out stories that's going to make you pee your pants. And I think that's why he hasn't gotten the credit that, that, that he really deserves. But I'm really glad that you brought up this whole Kemmel thing, because that's one of the things that I disapprove on this president. I disapprove the TTP trade agreement, uh, uh, the Gemmo. I, I understand that it's not his fault that he hasn't been to uh, close it down. And when they do close it down, and I hope eventually it does get closed down, we need to bring this guy here to the U.S. Let, let's uh, give him a trial, charge him with something, charge him with something, anything. Let's give him a trial and put him in jail if they start to be in jail. I'm sure many people agree with you, Manny. Unfortunately, I don't think that we're going to see that. Manny, thank you for the call. Good to hear from you there, my home state. Let's take a break. We'll be back. If you're holding, hang on. Coming to you. If you want to join us, just finish with a couple of callers. We have lines that open, and they fill up fast, so pick up the phone and join in the conversation. Last State of the Union address tonight. Tell me, what are President Obama's achievements? What are his failures? What could he have done better? What do you think he did that you didn't think he was capable of doing or that made a difference to you personally? You heard our conversation, my conversation with Dean, personally impacted by having health insurance now and not having it seven years ago. How were you personally impacted, for better or worse? 888-6-LESLIE, 888-653-7543, back after this. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of truth. The Leslie Marshall Show. Give her a call now at 888-6-LESLIE. song and do we know don't stop thinking about tomorrow is bill clinton's right there are certain songs uh, you think of here i am sign seal deliver i'm yours making some people shudder especially those wearing white hoods on their heads anyway let's get to the calls 8886 leslie 8886537543 is the number uh let's go next to reggie in georgia on line three reggie good afternoon how you doing leslie happy tuesday to you you too yeah well I know, well, you should, well, while we're, grading, while we're grading the president, we should grade the covers as giving them, by giving them an F plus, you know, because they blocked them each and every single solitary step of the way that they can and that they could. I mean, at least the man tried. He may not have gotten everything passed, but at least he got like, at least half of those things passed. But he tried to get everything passed, but he couldn't because of, because of the covers largely due to them. And he should talk about bring up guns some more, because why is it that when we, whenever we have mass shootings, they always bring up Chicago or Washington? Well, and that's not, interesting. Now, that's interesting you say that, Reggie. I haven't heard anybody uh, talk about guns. Do you yeah. think the president should bring up um, guns, and, and do you think it's inevitable that he does, because he's going to talk about he can't have the State of the Union address uh, ignoring our State of the Union currently with regard to violence and specifically with regard to mass shootings, uh, you know, certainly w- uh, that that we've seen over the past year as well. Yes, he, yes, he, yes, he should bring up guns, regardless of whether we like or want to hear about it or not, especially those on the right. 
you know, because they're going to think that, you know what they say, they're going to think he's trying to take away their beloved precious guns, and when he's not even thinking about doing that, he's trying to protect everybody's rights, including legal, responsible gun owners' rights, but they just can't seem to get it through their thick-headed ass skulls of theirs. Because I guess, well, you know, when you've been listening to Donald Trump and Rush Limbaugh for so very long, I guess to them nothing else matters or can penetrate their heads or their brains or their mindset or their, you know, mentalities or personalities. All right, Reggie. Thank you. Appreciate the call. 8886, Leslie's the number. And let's see who is up next. Let's go to Jim in Vegas. Jim on line four. Hey, Jim, good afternoon. Hey, Leslie, I'm not in the pool today. Oh, Jim, I, I was wondering, is this Jim my pool guy? <laughs> hey, I think uh, history's going to be wonderful of this president. Look what he's done for gay and lesbian rights. Gay people can get married now if you want to marry somebody that you love. He's gotten us out of two. Yeah, yeah. Wait, uh, can you picture it? Someday the LGBT community will be telling, like, you know, the grandchildren, great grandchildren. There was a time. Dot dot dot. <laughs> and look what he's done to the military. I mean, gay people now don't have to be afraid. To, there's no more. Don't ask. Don't tell. I mean, he's done so many great things just for that alone. But uh, his work with uh, with gay people uh, with. Uh, uh, gun, that guy just before me talking about the guns. I forgot all about that. But he has been such a great president with all the obstruction with the economy, with the, with the deficit, with, with all the obstruction from these right-wing Republicans not giving him an inch. He's still now, I mean, he's been trying to close down Guantanamo for the, his whole entire presidency, and they won't let him do it. It's costing taxpayers millions and millions and millions of dollars. And and he still has ways of getting around it. I think he's going to go down as one of the best presidents that we've had in in history. All right. Thank you, Jim. Uh, I know it's kind of chilly in Vegas as it is in L.A., so, you know, unless you find the heated pool, we understand you're not being in it at the moment, buddy. Thank you for the call. Uh, let's go to Hector, who's back. Uh, Hector's in Arizona. Line five. Oh, Hector dropped again. Hector, we need to get you a new phone. Let's go to New Mexico with James on line one. James, good afternoon. Hi, Leslie. How are you doing today? Good. How are you, James? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you. You know, I'm a financial services producer in New Mexico. And during the Bush administration, uh, my practice basically was almost entirely lost because people could not afford to have health insurance. Every year I'd have to go back to my my groups and my individuals and try and justify a 25, a 30, a 35 percent increase year after year after year. And it's only thanks to President Obama that we finally start to bring that, rein those increases in. Now, granted, the Patient Protection Affordable Care Act is not perfect, but it's the best that we were able to get through the obstructionist Congress. And now, as a result, my business is coming back to life again, only as a result of President Obama and the laws that he has instituted. Wow. Okay, so for you personally, I love these personal stories. For you, and you personally, and your clients, right? Um, exactly. Things have, things have changed financially. So in other words, there's more money in your bank account, more spring in your step. Exactly. You know, before... Having uh, a baby was considered a pre-existing condition, and in, in New Mexico, you could not find health insurance coverage to cover maternity. And I would have to go back and, and try and explain to clients why they were getting declined from an insurance company uh, to cover their cancer uh, because they had neglected to mention that they had acne when they were in high school. All of those ridiculous 
reasons for denying coverage have now been eliminated, and people don't realize the extent of exactly what the president has done to be able to help people. Excellent. Anything else? No, I just think that, again, uh, that uh, history will look back on this president as being one of the most beneficial for the American public in our history. There are legacies. Osama bin Laden what he has done for the LGBT community with regard to marriage and also to the military, the, the lifting of the ban truly of Don't Ask, Don't Tell, uh, not to mention um, what he uh, did do seriously to try to keep originally uh, families together with regard to immigration. But I, I think when you just l- look at it, health care, the LGBT community, maybe even just trying to close Gitmo and certainly uh, taking out Osama bin Laden. I mean, just any one of those, I think, you know, will definitely be a feather in his cap. Thank you for the call, James. Appreciate it. Let's go to Joseph next line, too. Joseph, good afternoon. Hey, good afternoon, Leslie. Enjoy your show. Thank you. Um, Yeah, I just kind of want to say that President Obama has more successes than he has failures. And for every for us to think that a president is perfect in everything that he does, you know, we're that that's just not true. He's a good man, and in terms of my personal situation, you know, everything that that I've worked for my entire life, my home, my retirement fund, four hundred one k, is not in free fall. And and what he has given me is peace of mind, knowing that I don't have to worry that that you know. Um, that the the ground beneath me is is collapsing, and and I just want to say that back in 2008, no one seems to talk about it. Is that you can have two uh, fully um, employed, gainfully employed uh, people um, having good jobs and good salaries, but had a difficult time just getting a line of credit back in 2008, 2009. And that that impacted all the small businesses as well. So, and, and interesting, interestingly enough, and a lot of you know people don't uh, know this. I mean, um, subprimes originally were supposed to help, but it just went crazy, and that ended up being a, a trickle down negative for all Americans, whether they were applicable for subprime or part of minority communities that weren't purchasing housing. Um, and quite frankly, subprimes are made available so that more people uh, would buy houses and it would it would look on paper like an economic boost and benefit George W. Bush and his administration. I'm out of time. Oh, God, we have more calls. I'm sorry. We fly. Three hours just fly. Manana. Hump day. Catch me on Real Story with Gretchen Carlson on Fox News Channel. I'll be debating some uh, conservative. I believe it's Chris Plant, who's a talk show host in Washington, D.C. And uh, you can catch that in the 2 p.m. Eastern hour. And then you uh, catch me right here, 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern, on the only true democracy in talk radio. Thank you to Mark and Andrew, my great crew, and all of you. We'll have a lot more to talk about tomorrow, including the State of the Union.